Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Track Talk. Today's episode is an excerpt from Live from My Drum Room with Doug Cosmo Clifford of Creedence Clearwater Revival. He needs no introduction. And uh, this little excerpt was from November of 2022. And in this little section, we talk about their incredible documentary, Netflix documentary, uh, Live at Royal Albert Hall from 1970. We do a deep dive into a whole bunch of songs. And uh, I'll put the link in there for the entire episode. It's a must watch if you haven't seen it. But in this little excerpt, we talk about a couple of tracks, specifically Born in the Bayou. I think we touch on Heard It Through the Grapevine at the beginning. And uh, we end it with talking about one of his favorite songs, Looking Out My Back Door, also one of my favorite songs by Credence. So I hope you enjoy it. And uh, I'll play these the two tracks, Born in the Bayou and Looking Out My Back Door at the end of it. So check it out. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And I'll see you on the other side. All right. Thanks. We'll, we'll stop the rain. John, <laughs> so don't play that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> so finally, you know, it was, it was uh, recording time, session time. And um, I played it the way I had worked it out and nothing was said not not that that worse but it, what was said was said in silence i i i i played it that way and and uh, and that's what's on the record now yeah yeah and the little triplet thing during the during the rest is that it's the top, the bell of the hi-hat right it's the top hi-hat ding yeah yeah. <clears throat> yeah i always thought it was you know it sounds like a big symbol, and of course the hi hat's a big symbol. I always thought it was your your crash, you know. I thought it was, a, but uh, mystery solved. The hi hat, yeah, mystery solved. A couple of quick questions. So, just back to Albert Hall for one second. It looked to me like the only mics on the drums were a, a mic in front of the bass drum. You had you had a, a closed front head, no hole, felt strip across it, right across the right. front head, no muffling inside the drum. Other than that, no no pillows or anything. No, no no pillows. But there there might have been a a, a little uh, a little rag in, in there. I'm trying yeah. to think, but pretty pretty open sounding and and oh, one yeah. Over, yeah and it, one overhead mic, Doug. Just one mic overhead for just, just one, and uh, it was working overtime. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Man, what a sound! What a what a you know. I mean, and all all kudos to albert hall which is a, i've been there a, a few times and it's a beautiful sounding hall of course you know legendary uh acoustically beautiful sounding room so you you had all that working for you but just it it, it just blows my mind to see that and i'll just add to this what we've talked about and um it's the four of you guys on stage playing the songs it they sound just like the record and that's that's all a tribute to you guys going in and not getting too uh, crazy with tons of overdubs and, and things in the records. And I was going to ask you, were most of the records made with um, just vocal overdubs and, and you guys playing kind of live, the, the four of you guys playing your instruments together at the same time live? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, every once in a while, there'd be uh, like a keyboard thing. Little, right. It's used in uh, Grapevine, for example. Yeah. Have you ever seen the rain? There's a, there's a Hammond 
You can hear it in there. A little, a little right hand stuff yeah. back in the mix, little parts. So those types of things would definitely uh, be there. Watching too. So, so Doug, I have a couple more quick questions I want to I want to ask you, and then I want to ask you some questions from the audience. In fact, I'm going to ask you this question for my friend Dan Peterson. Um, what CCR song are you most proud of in regards to your contribution? Uh, if there's one. Well, but Born in the Bayou is my favorite Creedence song. Okay. And there's an, another example of a quarter note beat. Yes. And uh, But instead of uh, playing the like this repeating of something I've already done with the quarter note beat with Susie Q, uh, I play the accents instead of this, you know, the, the in-between notes. Doom. So that that's that that's just just a badass tune. Badass tune, you I love that one, and but also heard it through the grapevine. We stepped out and did a long jam. And it was it was a rehearsed jam, but when we got in the studio, things got going, and and I know I I went off uh, and, and kind of worked around what John was doing on on his guitar, and, and he he picked it up, uh, and and uh, we did some real uh, not played before parts. Yeah. It's yeah. really cool. I'd say to me, that's, and maybe there are others, but in my mind, that song is maybe um, where you maybe stretch the most, where you really hear you during that jam, where you really, I know, like where you're playing the hi-hat and you're almost like doubling the hi-hat and the snare at the same time, like a, I, I can't explain it, but I know the part you're talking about. Um, yeah, and you're going for a lot of shit during that, that instrumental. <laughs> yeah, and you don't hear you do that a lot. And, and, well, we don't do it. Yeah. And- and it was, but you know, it was just uh, spontaneous. Uh, uh, it got going, and there there were some parts there that you know, when 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 they, when they got played, I I either followed or or, or led some, based on what 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 was was happening with the lead guitar. Yeah, yeah. So so that was a case where while you guys were recording that song, John was playing that lead part live in the studio yeah. that was an overdub later that was it was you guys playing yeah yeah that's uh i mean that's that's when records were great that's when that's when bands that's and that was what steve gadd was talking about when we talked about this he that's what he meant when he said like they're a real band that like that that plays music you know and uh when yeah. you know coming from that era and um i just want to talk about the studio too for a second when you when you recorded you have such a great organic drum sound your cymbals sound beautiful. Your drums sound beautiful. And they, it sounds like, um, it doesn't sound necessarily like they were, the drums were close mic'd. Like it's a lot of room sound. Um, yeah, there, that, that's true. There, there was a lot of, uh, of that and, 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 uh, U87s and, uh, SM56 mics were, I believe the, what we used uh 
and the U87 is over, over over the top for sure. And yeah, the, you know we we like doing it live. Uh, and John would uh, kind of talk through the the lead singing part just so we knew where we were, and you know just keep track of that. It's not a bad thing to keep track of your recording, <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, we we you know not a lot of frills and and, and uh, fancy dancey stuff. Just yeah, yeah. rock and roll. And and a lot of the song were a lot of the songs done in like a couple of takes. Where they would you move pretty quickly through the tunes? Like, did you you could you could probably get a take a good take in one or two, three. The takes? majority of of the takes were first takes. Wow. The majority, but we rehearsed for you know um, um, a couple of months ahead, yes, yeah. weeks ahead. So we knew when we went in, we didn't do like ten songs and and pick the you know or fifteen songs and pick the the, the best ten. We went in with an album, note for note. Yeah, uh, yeah, you knew uh, it. Yeah, that's how we did it, and we couldn't wait to get to the next bunch because we had played this stuff so much. So it was, you know, we, if we get it done on, on a first take basis, that means the quicker we get to the next the next song and and, and get us through the, this record and on to the the next one, whatever it might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Um, jumping back a second to you buy your camp co set in 1969 at uh, drum world in San Francisco, right? Yeah. Um, and that's where you, before that you probably were playing like a Zildjian's, which is what everybody was playing in those days. Yeah. Probably. I, I had the Zildjian symbols. Uh, I, I don't, I don't remember, but they're, they're basically the same. You know, a, a 22-inch ride, medium. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that was what, with my Pisces stuff. You yeah. tried to, uh, you know, match. And uh, but I think the, the Pisces uh, uh, are, are more of a rock and roll sound, to me anyway. Uh, you know, and... Uh, Zildjian had been around for so long, and and they, you know, they were putting uh, their symbols uh, uh, to to uh, a lot of well, Gene Krupa, you know, sure, yeah. all the big bands had Zildjian symbols, and uh, when uh, Drumland came to me and said, oh, I was breaking the crap out of these things. They said they, they would replace them free if if I would do it, use them. And I, well, so they, they sound like, and and uh, we'll we'll talk about it. And I really liked the sound; it was uh, very present, and uh, uh, it, it really really worked uh, for me. Yeah, and yeah. Sort of took care of it. Did they? Um, so 1969 Credence was a, was a known band. You guys were, you guys were just starting to really take off at that point, or really you had taken off at that point. So you could understand why, um, did they, did they connect you to Peisty 
drum world, or did they? Any, they... any Williams from uh, Drumland? Uh, Drumland, sorry, Drumland. Yeah, he's, he's the one that put turned me on to uh, Camco as well. Right, right. Uh, in fact, I think uh, he let me take a, a kit home or to, to well to to the factory to to test out. And I said, I really like these. These are, have so much presence, uh, and uh, the hoops are uh, are meticulously put together, and and uh, it really has life, especially for rock and roll. So uh, that's uh, was in '69 when both of those things happened. Right, and and the right from the beginning. I I know this is going back a long time. I've always been curious. The the Pisces that were available in those days were this was before the two thousand twos and a lot of the stuff they have now. Pretty much just the six o twos, I think, and maybe Giant Beat. But were the, were those symbols like for at Albert Hall, for example? Were those the Formula six o twos, the eighteen inch crash, six o twos, yeah, and the and the twenty inch ride and the eighteen inch. The hi hats were two crash symbols put together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The the, uh, the medium uh, hi hat was the batter uh, side, the top one, and then the the, the bottom uh, symbol was, uh, for lack of a better word, the thick, the heavier, yeah. <clears throat> and it needed to be uh, strong enough to, you know, to take the this constant. Uh, the symbols aren't usually uh, put to that task, so. Uh, it, it worked out. It worked out great. I'm still using it. Yeah, man, what a sound! And and that that so that 18 inch crash that's on your left. Yeah, that's the crash that's on everything, right? Pretty much. I mean, that's that's, that's yeah, that's the crash. That's the crash. But I well, it isn't because I use the ride symbol a lot. Uh, right. You'll notice, especially in Bayou. Yes. Uh, Used it a, a lot, and, and then I used the bell on it a lot, and uh, and it's a twenty-two. It's a twenty-two inch ride. Oh, it's a twenty-two. Okay, I wasn't sure. I made a note after watching the document. I watched the told you yesterday. I watched the documentary again, and during at the Albert Hall show, and this is how you play it during Bayou. You can see you're you're doing these like quarter note alternate. You alternate between the ride and the crash, and you're crashing. And it's it's and it's like this whirling motion, you know what I mean? You get into this groove of of it's like a circular thing that's just, oh, yeah, yeah. It creates this like whirlpool kind of thing going. It's beautiful. Uh, so that's a twenty-two, and it must be probably not that heavy if you can crash it the way you're crashing it. Yeah, it, it's a, it was a medium twenty-two. Yeah, uh, twenty-two uh, medium ride. And so, you know, it was, uh, uh, I used it a lot. And I'm happy to say that that I have two 18s crashes now, the the old steady on the left-hand side, but I've added one to to the right-hand side so I can have stereo crashes. How about that? How about that? Yeah, I know. (laughs) Wow. And and that crash that eighteen that you used back then that must have been pretty thin that you know a pretty yeah, fairly that was, light that was the medium the medium uh, okay uh, but it it really responded and that that's I'm thinking like heard it through the grapevine and 
Um, although, like, we, you know, you crash it a lot during that song. Yeah, I, I use the two and four a lot. In fact, that's that's yeah. a part that you know that, that if you take the song apart and look at the frame, that's that's the the accent you want. You want it on the backbeats. It adds tremendous power and uh, Got it. leaves room for the other guys and, and, and the uh, odd numbers. He had a whole bunch of questions, but I'm not going to go through all of these. But he asked if you if you bought some giant beats while you were in England. Um, and I'm guessing you didn't. I'm guessing you just had your stuff with you. And yeah, I, I just had my stuff as big as, as that tour was. It was very important. We played other 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 countries too, but our our main target was was uh, Albert Hall. We wanted to go into the Beatles' house and and, and, and challenge them, basically. Yeah. Uh, we love the Beatles, don't get me wrong. I'm, you know, I'm an athlete, and so I'm uh, I'm very competitive. Uh, and, uh, and there we were in, in their house looking out, uh, you know. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Here we go, boys. We're, we're coming. We're coming to get you. What a show. What an amazing show. Um, and I so appreciate you taking the time to do this today, Doug. I'll thank you again. But oh, uh, no problem. for anybody who hasn't seen the documentary, I mean, as soon as you're done watching this, if you don't have Netflix, subscribe to it because you just to just to watch this concert. It's unbelievable. And yeah, you play a, you play a great, great shuffle and uh, and you play a great train beat. I mean, the, looking out my back door, the, the, the brushwork and the I mean, I would consider that a train beat, right? I mean, that's a yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's it's killer. It's just because that's not an easy thing to play. That's not I I can't I we my band plays that. I can't play that the way you play it. I, I mean, not that that's any surprise, but that's it's so effortless the way you play it. It's so so clean and smooth. Well, uh, we, we would do gigs for like. Uh, uh, groups and, and uh, organizations and so forth. And back in the day, uh, brushes were a, a, a pretty prominent thing uh, and, and on record as well. So that's where I, I learned, my, had my, my, you know, my introduction to, to brushes, just really watch. It's, it's, it's so much uh, so different uh, than uh, what you would play with a stick in that situation. And uh, so it required a, a little extra uh, practice on my behalf. But yeah, uh, yeah, that's, you know, it's kind of a country two, two step thing. Yeah. Uh, yep. And uh, uh, looking out my back door, you know, one of, one of my favorites. That's a beautiful piece of music. Yeah.
Well, that's my show. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did, give it a like, leave me a comment. Don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel and download the podcasts. But as always, I appreciate you watching and listening. And remember, no drummers are ever harmed on Track Talk or live from my drum room. And drummers, when in doubt, leave it out. I will see you soon with some new episodes. And again, I thank you for watching and listening. See you soon.